Boardman gets pot. Oh yeah. We just want our respect. Our organization wants their respect. And I want my damn respect too. Max, what's up, my man? Dr. Bot, it's good to be back. I'm coming to you live from Redondo Beach, California. My wife sounds smoother and sexier, Max. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Well, I'm just putting on the moves for you, man. But uh, I'll, it'll get hiney, it'll get nasally as uh, the, the pod progresses. But uh, yeah, I, uh, we we moved last week, so new digs, new new pod location, same Max. I mean, Max, when I went to bed last night, I was yesterday. I was excited for Bitcoin to break fifty thousand, and uh, ten point run, man, five thousand dollar increase in one day. Uh, yeah. going on, man. I mean, obviously it's, you know, great, uh, crypto Bitcoin hit a 1 trillion market cap. The market cap of cryptocurrencies in general is 1.6 trillion. I mean, we're talking about an asset class that's literally getting into like, you know, it's, it's basically, I think it's now actually the crypto market cap is larger than the estimated silver market cap. So crypto, not Bitcoin, but it's pretty, yeah. And it's crazy because it, I mean, it's literally five, six X in the last year. And so yeah, my, mom, my mom had, uh, I would tell my mom if she would listen to me to dump her gold and put it all into Bitcoin or at least like half your gold holdings. And yeah. Put it into Bitcoin. I, honestly, I, I think like, I don't think you should dump all of it for various reasons. Um, but I, I would recommend, yeah, I would definitely recommend because they estimate there, you know, there's various estimates, something like 40 to 60% of gold's uh, monetary value comes from it's, or sorry, it's like kind of market cap is due to its monetary value. Right. And, but, uh, there's, there's definitely a thesis that Bitcoin is eating that use case of gold, right? It's just eating it right now, right in front of our eyes. And actually gold has been decreasing with all the stimulus news, right? Uh, which should be the case, right? And so, uh, it's very possible that the gold is going to be just mainly for industrial uses and you know, jewelry. I don't think gold jewelry is going anywhere. Uh, Bitcoin's not a form of jewelry yet. Although there are, you can make a case that versions of it would happen. But, um, I mean, I actually do think some versions of it will happen, uh, but I don't think that's going to happen for at least three to four just, years. Just use your Bitcoin to buy a solid, the day you can buy, use your Bitcoin to buy a solid gold chain that is in the shape of a Bitcoin. That's the yeah, game. Be. I mean, you could do that, right? Like if you have 50,000, I mean, I'm sure you can get a nice gold chain for $50,000 with a Bitcoin B on it. I mean, we're at a point where you can buy, you know, you can buy like a nice, te- a nice Tesla Model Three with one Bitcoin. Uh, it's pretty, pretty wild. So uh, anyway, uh, I guess yeah, we got a little sidetracked, but yeah, it's been great. Uh, I do think these run-ups like this, like I think there's gonna be, it's gonna run. I don't know how much farther. It might honestly, like we were saying, it's probably gonna get to sixty-nine thousand four twenty, and then everyone's gonna be selling at sixty-nine thousand four twenty. Yeah, I would say, I, I would say, yeah, be ready to hit a major wall of resistance. At sixty nine thousand four twenty, and then at four hundred twenty thousand sixty nine, sixty nine, sixty nine, that's gonna be like the two or three years from now will be like there's a wall of resistance coming at that level. Yeah, that'd be funny if like everyone just puts their sell orders at yeah, like you said four hundred twenty thousand sixty nine dollars and sixty nine cents. <laughs> that's like just everyone selling at that price. 
that'd be uh, that, that could I really do think that could be where there's sixty nine. There's something there's bad news around sixty nine thousand. But um, but uh, no. So it's going on a run. It's great. Um, obviously for me, I obviously very exposed to it selling my book. But uh, you know, hey, all my friends, uh, everyone who on this pod who's listened, you know, who who took the Bitcoin plunge became, you know, is doing great, feeling good about their lives right now. So. Uh, although I would, I do think we're we're definitely still in bull market mode, but we're definitely approaching mania mode. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, this is when it gets to, you know, it does this every now and then, and it'll come crashing down. But twenty yeah. percent from sixty thousand is thirty eight thousand, right, or forty eight thousand. So that's not a horrible fall. Yeah, if it retraces like seven, like let's say it retraces thirty percent, right? I think that's what peak, peak to trough was nearly thirty percent in that recent correction where it went up to, you know, little 42,000 or just under 42,000 and then it dropped to low 28,000, which is yeah, like 28,000 dip was like literally momentary. Max. Yeah. Like and, uh, immediately bounced off that one. That's when you, yeah, that's when you put your, uh, you know, your limit buys yeah, all exactly. the way down and you catch that. Um, but you know, that was like a close to what 30, 33% dip. And so, uh, you know, like uh, that was because the price basically went, totally like straight shot from 20 to 40. Yeah. It just, I think that's a lot of institutional people were buying during that time and just keeping it quiet. Yeah. There was definitely so, I mean, I, I mean, I swear to God, I have texts on this where I'm begging everybody and I'm saying things like guys, like right now, look, Coinbase isn't even the top 200 in the app store. Cause it's like a full institutional rally right now. Right. Like this is so like, this is like companies like MicroStrategy and other large, either high net worth individuals or institutional players are just slowly, snapping these things up bit by bit, no big buys, no big price movements. And it's like, this is not going to continue forever. Like once this breaks 20 K all of a sudden everyone's gonna be like, wait, this thing's $20,000 again. What the hell happened? Okay. I guess it's not BS. And that's kind of, that's roughly what happened. Right. Cause this has definitely been, I mean, the institutions are definitely helped. I mean, the retail's there for sure. Like Coinbase is now, I don't know, 25, 30th in the app store and for repref. And like, seriously, like we're never in the top 200 until like the last month and a half. Uh, but then the other piece, I think the institutions in some ways, they're, they're smoothing those dips because yeah. they're dip buyers. And I think I'm, I'm, I can't speak on how prime brokerage exactly works because I just don't really know. But I'm sure, I mean, at least from what I read from the micro strategy, what they released about how they did executed their massive buys, they have some logic where if they detect massive downward price movement, they, they increase their buy amount. So like these guys are literally, they're catching the knife. <laughs> like they're, yeah, they're, they, I mean, they're like, they're trying to always buy at the right, the best entry point for whatever regional area they're in. They're, they're not like, trading this, you know, they're, they're trying to, to let and letting it fall and then waiting for the moving average to bounce back. Like they're just doing like preset fixed buys. So it's kind of like in a way. So I think in some ways that this, that retrace probably would have been nastier uh, if it was like the 2017 cycle in some ways, like it might, we might've gone down the low twenties. I would love to see, I would love to see Bitcoin's rallies on Fridays. I'm pretty sure Bitcoin rallies on the last Friday of every month or the, the second oh, paycheck yeah. Friday of every month. Cause that's the, for most people, that's the big paycheck, you know, like depending on how you're paid, if you're paid regularly, yeah, but some people are paid much more on the second paycheck of every month. And I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It's Friday paycheck hits the bank account, Bitcoin rallies. Yeah. <laughs> I, you could totally be right because I, I see, like I was looking at the Bitcoin subreddit today and it was, so many people being like, got my paycheck, going to the Bitcoin, let's do this. Like, let's fucking go. All that. So, I mean, that's anecdotal. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I actually haven't looked at that. And if I did, I probably wouldn't be able to comment. But I wouldn't be surprised if we like released data that showed like, hey, like, you know, around paycheck time, all of a sudden people are leveling up. And one thing that'll be interesting is everyone, everyone, 
everyone in America who has any kind of asset exposure is sitting on awesome paper gains, whether it's crypto or stonks or real estate, everyone's sitting on that. And then, but there's this thing that happens in, let's see, it's going to happen in nine, 40, 55 days. It's called taxes, federal income taxes. (laughs) And so I think everyone's like kind of letting it ride, but then uh, there's going to be a, okay, I got to, if I cashed out a little sometime, I got to, I got to pay the tax man or I'm going to bigger problems. So, so I wonder so if that's going to, I wonder if that'll be counterbalanced by the stimulus and people are getting refunds. Like you forget some yeah. people refunds too, right? So true. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, I could see it going either. I, we'll know afterwards if it matters. Yeah. We won't know before, or at least I won't, but uh, it's going to be, yeah. Like, I mean, this, this market's evolving a lot faster than I thought, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean, that's really exciting. And then, uh, you know, there's this also this whole like DeFi thing where there's all these new financial services are being rebuilt on blockchains, really that, but like in a way that's like transparent and, uh, you know, transparent, auditable, uh, decentralized, automated. Uh, so that's really interesting. I mean, like there's some really interesting projects, uh, like especially thing like the, the most simplest one is probably Uniswap, like Uniswap's one, there's a couple others, but Uniswap is just a decentralized exchange. And so if you want to trade crypto and you hate Coinbase, you're willing to like your cryptos, you know, smart or whatever, you can go trade on Uniswap and that's a decentralized exchange market maker. So it's pretty, you know, things like that. Uh, that's, I think that's going to grow a ton over the next three to four years. And then now like we're getting the, the digital art stuff again, like the NBA top shot. Um, there's now like these sites where people are creating digital like art on the blockchain and they're selling for stupid amounts of money. Not nominally, uh, that, I don't know, I'm more, I think that's long-term going to be really great. Uh, I think just ecosystem's kind of not robust enough to support it yet. But, hey, you know, it's fun times. It's a great time to be in crypto. I agree, I agree with you with the top shots. The top shots are cool. I tried to go on and try to buy a pack this week, but I, I couldn't find it. Like, there weren't any packs for sale. Apparently, they only drop them every now and then. Scarcity makes it very annoying, Max. Yeah. Well, human, humans value scarcity, man. Uh, yeah. yeah I, uh, playing hard to get. Yeah, it works. Um, yeah, I don't really, I, I don't really get how it works either. I do have some. I bought like I literally bought like the first round of packs in December 2019 because I was convinced, and I guess I was right, but I didn't get any exposure to it. But I was pretty convinced like this could be huge. It's very asymmetric because this is basically being like in 1903 buying, being like I'm gonna buy a Honus Wagner card. People are gonna give a shit about this in 120 years. Everyone's like whatever. <laughs> But now, yeah, there's like three Honus Wagner cards and they go for like millions each, right? Yeah. Same with like LeBron saving his mint condition rookie cards. Uh, and so I was like, well, these are just literally pictures of dudes, right? Um, they're just pictures of a guy that this company made in limited editions of, right? Well, like you can do that, but digitally with like richer and there's, so I don't know, there's going to be, there'll be people who are going to hanging up their blockchain art where it's like, they are the only ones who have the secret key to that piece of artwork. And then they could like put that secret key in that address or whatever. They could put that secret key with the fungible token in like a in like a painting easel that will then like display that artwork for them. And you'll be like, oh, cool. you know, there's like, things uh, like uh, like an interactive uh, picture frame. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm sure there's going to be somebody. There's going to be a bunch of people springing up to make these like uh, the the easels that support it. So you could the thing is you could have the artwork be like any size, right? So if you're like, I want this thing to be like 20 by 40 feet. You know, they'll be like, all right, we'll ship you a 25, 40 foot screen. <laughs> you just punch in your keys and then your artwork, or maybe it like cycles through your different artwork depending on the day. 
Um, Let me ask you this. If you could have any NBA top shot in NBA history, which one would you take? Jordan game six. I knew that was going to be your answer. That's okay, of course. I would say I'm original, but that's like, it's literally the greatest moment in NBA history, in my opinion. You know, it was just like so legendary. It was perfect. It's just, it's true. I would take either Kobe to Shaq game seven against the Blazers. Yeah, the LU. Or the Robert Ori shot in game, what was it, five of the, or five of the Western Conference finals. A, I mean, this will be cool is if the NBA, when NBA Top Shot releases the, the LeBron block on Iguodala. Oh, the Ray yeah. Allen, the Ray Allen corner three. Yeah, no, those there's will be. Steph, then there's also like the Steph double bang. Uh, there's the Lucas, Lucas step back over Kawhi. You know all these classic moments. Like NBA Top Shot basically has like they have worked with the NBA build this partnership. They can issue like the you know this is the this is the token for that moment to display that. This is it. Right? Which player? Which player do you think? would drop like 100k or whatever to own his own moment there was one player in the nba who'd be like fuck that i'm owning my shot yeah i mean the number one that comes to mind is spencer dinwiddie because he's like very encrypted i thought it'd be like someone like jimmy butler like just someone like that because i think like i mean because they need to be one they i mean i guess there's a question because in 10 15 years this could be just a purely ego question right this is purely like it's like, would LeBron pay for his own rookie card? Like, well, yeah, absolutely, right? But um, he's probably not, he probably wouldn't pay for his own top shots. He's kind of like, I don't know what the hell this is, right? But if this becomes like a thing and people actually save these, like if you were like, dude, I have, you know, Kobe's last basket in his 60 point game, like I have that top shot moment or one of the Ooh, 50 one. of those, the legend, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, you know, like that's going to be, if that becomes like a thing, then yeah, there's going to be, it's basically, then it's a measure of who do you think is like the most petty person <laughs> or like who is like, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, number one comes to mind is like Russell Westbrook. I just oh, yeah, like yeah. Russell Westbrook. So I'm not going to let some motherfuckers own my shit. <laughs> you know, I could just see him. But I don't know, you know, but that's a, uh, I don't know. Although actually I will say everything I heard about Russell Westbrook outside of basketball court, he sounds like a really great guy. So I apologize for casting aspersions. I don't know. It's good, but like I'd say, like right now, if it was like this time right now, it'd be Dinwiddie for sure. Like, cause he is like he's a, he's a believer in the blockchain. Yeah, he's the most crypto like we're like crypto forward of NBA player I know of. I can't even think of anyone who's remotely close. Him and Russell Okung are like the two. Him, Russell Okung, and Matt Barkley are like the three big like NBA athletes who are like into Bitcoin and stuff. I and, bet you, I bet you, a lot of the NBA athletes probably have some exposure to it just because their portfolios are so large they need to. Yeah, and especially some of the Golden State Warriors, I'm sure, dude, just because they're probably. I also think Rich. I'm pretty sure Richard Sherman, in the NFL player, has exposure. But I'm I'm confident tons of the like Harrison Barnes. I'm sure probably has like, is like you know has play a bunch of Bitcoin because he's like, he was when he was on the Warriors, he was super proactive about investing and getting business advice, diversifying his money. I mean, it's not like he's a really sharp guy. And so I'm sure they were like, "Hey, you should probably do one, one allocate one percent to Bitcoin and just let it ride, right?" I'm sure some or some fixed percentage. I'm sure he did that. Um, so probably not really well. Yeah, no, I'm sure Steph Scott's. I mean, Steph, KD, I could totally see having it. Iguodala, hundred thousand um, percent. You know, basically any of these athletes who have set up like their own independent VC firms or like getting involved in venture. Maybe Kevin Durant, since he's all about the business thing, or what is yeah. that his uh, the boardroom, his TV show I mean, or whatever. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I could totally see that. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, that'll be really cool. And uh, I mean, man, there's a lot of there's gonna be some really interesting stuff with all this block. I mean, there's just gonna be a lot of really interesting stuff coming down the pipes in the next decade with this. But uh, you know, speaking if you're like, Warriors. sorry, speaking of the Warriors, I'm going to a Warriors game on Tuesday. Warriors Knicks. Oh, nice. And I finally got the tickets. I was I had to kind of shell out a little bit. Well, actually, these tickets were cheaper than the tickets would be normally. I should sell them on the secondary market because they're like reselling for five times the price. But oh wow, I kind of feel fucked up about doing that. So is it? It's in. It's in person, right? Yeah, Madison Square Garden. Oh, that's it. step in MSG. That's so I hope people stop. So yeah. First game there's gonna have fan, fans in the audience. So I'll have I'll come back and report on that experience. Getting COVID tested the day before. Getting COVID tested at the game. I'm gonna try to watch Stefan warmups. We'll see though. Um, I'm looking forward to it, Max. It's been a long, it's been a long time without live sports. Considering I had season tickets to the Nets last year and I went to more basketball games in person than I've ever had in my life in one year. And then to immediately go from that to nothing, it's been a it's been a shock. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not easy. By the way, I didn't realize it. So just I was looking at the peak at the NBA. Uh Murray hung a 50 banger on the Cavs. He just dropped 50 points on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Nice. I mean, Murray's prone to do that. Oh my God, he was <laughs> dude, Jamal Murray when he goes gets unconscious. It's like him and Kyrie, who are like almost like weirdly like the scariest dudes because they just don't miss. This is his shooting line. He was twenty one for twenty five from the field. That's like a solid free throw night, and he was just having <laughs> field goals, eight for ten for three. I mean, that's insane. That is like that is ridiculous. Uh, I mean, Jokic had a, a sixteen ten and twelve a sixteen twelve ten. And it was like, whatever, on eight shots. So, uh, all right. So, well, we'll, let's come back to the NBA. But, yeah, I think we, we kind of went down a crypto crypto rabbit hole, which obviously I love. But, uh, we, you know, I think we'll it's all more on that later. We'll have more on that later. But, yeah, we, we should first start with the pandemic and COVID updates. Yep. So, after so, a 17-minute warm-up, we'll get to the actual content. So, COVID corner. I'm going to make it simple and straightforward. Two really good things today. One, Pfizer and BioNTech, whatever, Pfizer, has, has they've been testing their vaccine at normal refrigerated temperatures. So everyone knows one of the hard parts about distributing the Pfizer vaccine is that it needs to be kept at ultra low temperatures for stability sake. And so it's only being able to distribute it at mass sites like hospitals and mass vaccination sites. Well, over the last few months, they've been testing the vaccine for stability at normal like your kitchen refrigerator temperatures. And they've said it's stable and they've gone to the FDA and asked for approval. So this will be a huge step forward in like opening up access and how we distribute the vaccine because now it won't have to be just at big sites. In theory, we can get into smaller places like doctor's offices or pharmacies and distribute the vaccine this way. So that's one big win. The second big win, and Max, the, the idea that a German vaccine and this study comes out of Israel. That's what the joke I'm about to make. A German vaccine tested on Jewish people is about to help change the game for us. Okay. So Israeli healthcare workers, uh, they basically they studied healthcare workers, 9,000 of them in Israel. And what they were looking for was to see if one shot of the vaccine works. Okay. What they found is that one shot of the vaccine decreases symptomatic COVID cases by up to by 85% with a confidence interval that's 71 to 92%. So the headline you're gonna see is 
Pfizer vaccine, 92% effective after two weeks, right? Yeah. And, you know, the numbers, the confidence intervals are significant. It looks good. Wait, 92% or 85%? Well, 85 is the actual average of the rate reduction. Yeah. The confidence interval is 71 to 92. So, yeah, they should, should say just say 85 or at bet 71 plus percent. Don't say yeah. 92%. But the news is going to report it as 90. I found this actually. The news said 92%. I'm like, 92%? And uh, I took no. through. That's like now, no practice, man. A few, few things with this thing. It was a retrospective study. So they didn't give the people the vaccines and follow them forward. Rather, they looked back at all the cases of COVID that had happened in the hospital over the last month. A couple of other things, there were only, like, they had 9,000 people in their cohort, but only 170 cases, even though they did it in the middle of the heart of the pandemic. They did it in January. So that might be slightly lower than the prevalence of COVID normally. Like, small numbers is what they were working with, basically. But the differences were large enough to have to have statistical significance. Right, right, right. I was going to say that's pretty wide band for a zero one metric, but okay. Interestingly enough, when they looked at both asymptomatic and symptomatic together, the numbers were basically identical. So the difference was really in symptomatic COVID. They basically called the people who were positive, said, hey, you had COVID? Yes. Did you have any symptoms? No, asymptomatic. Okay. And so, and you didn't see any diff much difference in the first two weeks. In the, in the first two weeks, there was about a 50% reduction in COVID in the vaccinated group, but it will, the band was very wide. In after two weeks, though, you start to see more. And why I think this is significant is this kind of matches the AstraZeneca data that we talked about last week, where they had been doing the same kind of study in Brazil and found that as time goes on, you tend to build up immunity. So what does this mean? I think very realistically, there's going to be a good argument to spacing out the, the doses for this vaccine to two to three months. I don't know if the American government's going to do it because, you know, they don't want to cause havoc. But um, I think UK, the UK's strategy is going to work. And I think that this is going to be great news for the Pfizer distribution of the Pfizer vaccine. So is there something, dare I say, optimistic on the COVID front for the first time in a, in a goddamn year, Max? Yeah, well, hey, man, I feel like I've been optimistic for a while. And I, I feel like, uh, I don't know, it's because... Uh, I mean, look, I, I look at every morning, I look at the Bitcoin price and I look at COVID cases. Right? <laughs> those are like the two things, those two things are very important in my life right now. And I've just been watching these things have been nosediving since in both the United States and United Kingdom uh, for the last little over a month. Right. And yeah, there's surprisingly strong correlation to Trump leaving office, by the way, if like and the COVID cases going down, which maybe it, it's partially Trump incompetence, which we can all obviously admit Trump is incompetent. Also, part liberal conspiracy theory. It's probably uh, somewhere between the two, Max. I mean, I do think I think it's an element of timing. Personally, <laughs> yeah. let's just say uh, they say you know about you're going to know if you have COVID or not. Uh, what twelve days after you get the virus and uh, the after you actually contract it, and then cases peaked on January twelfth, which is actually twelve days after New Year's Eve. I'm just saying it. You know, it's literally like, uh, you know, that it's almost like as expected. And we all knew this, right? Going into the holidays, going into October, we were like, uh, we're going to have another COVID surge. Like, we know this. We know this. And then it was like October. Everyone's like, oh, my God, we have a COVID surge. And no one saw this coming. It was like everyone saw this coming. Everyone knew. Um, so, but look, I think it's a combination of, uh, I mean, I think it, I think the vaccine's biting because it's it's we're vaccinating the, the some of the key transmission nodes of this thing, and so it's just really hard for this thing to spread when it when it's hard when it can't get through the hospitals or like the old folks' homes 
or the essential workers. Ah, speaking of old folks home, Max. Oh, uh, yeah. Cuomo, first, good news, Cuomo's allowed indoor dining again. It seems like he's starting to get really worried about the economy off all of a yeah, sudden. Yeah, all of a sudden. All indoor dining. <laughs> you know, he, just wants, he wants to get people's mind off things. So either Cuomo's trying to kill me by putting me into a restaurant, uh, or, you know, he's figuring out this nursing home scandal is getting un- unleashed. So just what I understand, cursory understanding, basically, and we, if you, you can go back to the tape, Max, I said that this was a deadly decision that he was making back in March when he was, he was basically letting COVID, old people with COVID, the most vulnerable people that are likely to die, the people that die from the flu every year, right? The people that die from the flu every year are these old people with chronic medical conditions, people who live in nursing homes that are so sick that they can't live in a home anymore and they need someone to take care of them. Right. He was allowing people to be discharged from the hospital and with COVID and put into a nursing home people where people didn't have COVID. Essentially just like dropping a COVID bomb in the right. nursing right. And from the beginning, we said, I thought this was a horrible idea. He said the nursing home said they could handle it. So that was his, and that was his defense of that move at the time. Come six months later, it turns out that he was grossly underestimating the number of deaths from COVID in the nursing homes. He was hiding the data, holding it back. And his reason was that the Trump administration might use it as political ammunition. Right. I mean, what? <laughs> How can, yeah. can you think of a better excuse than that? All right. So here's here are the two things that here are my like two big takes on this. Is first, I feel very vindicated because I feel like in July, like whenever Cuomo came out with a fucking book, I was like, "Are you kidding me, dude? You are the worst at this in America." Like you now, don't get me wrong. Like part of it, you know. So even if you like, let's say whoever would have been governor in New York, it could have been you know fucking Teddy Roosevelt. Like New York got smashed by this thing. They were gonna get smashed no matter what, right? But like you know, it's. Uh, so like, you know, some of it was like, no matter what, they're going to get hurt by this, regardless of the nursing home decision. Like if you're, if you're defending a, an enemy position, you know, if, you, if you're World War II and you're a Marine unit in the Marine, you know, and the Japanese decided to attack your section of the line, I don't care if you're the best Marine captain and someone other units, the worst Marine captain, like your unit's going to get mauled the worst. Right. So that's just, you know, so look, look at that. Like, I, I don't fault it, you know, necessarily do that, but like you know, that Marine captain to go like, you know, if that let's say that happens, right? And that Marine captain goes, well, I am the best damn Marine captain in this and everyone should learn from me. It's like, dude, you got your ass whooped, you know? You got smoked, like, don't get me wrong, like, it's not through your fault, but, like, you also have, like, the worst numbers, you know? And, like, New York is, like, in New Jersey, you have, like, the worst numbers in, ter- in terms of fatalities, right? And so, uh, so I was, like, to write a book about that, to me, and then especially, like, we already knew the nursing home thing. We've known for a long time that was a bad fucking decision that killed people. We knew this, Right. And this dude had the gall to write a fucking book about how to beat the coronavirus. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And he also wrote it like in the middle of summer. He like before the thing was over. No, exactly. We have like, dude, we're like, dude, that's like that'd be like if Dwight Eisenhower like wrote a book about how to win World War II before the D-Day invasions. It's like, dude, we're about to enter the worst part of this. We're like a lot of people about to die. And you're already like spiking the football, saying like, we beat the Nazis. All right, we'll just we're gonna take France, we're gonna take Germany, it's a done deal. But anyway, get my book ready, right? And that was, it was insane. And to me, so like, to me, that's just like a high level of sociopathy. Like this dude is just a sociopath because like, I don't know, like, can you imagine being like, oh, dude, hey, so your decision killed like 
probably hundreds if not thousands of people and then going, Ooh, okay, damn. All right. Well, how's the book coming along? Right? Like that is, you have to be a legit piece of shit sociopath, which to be fair, we probably do need in like, I mean, I know this is like a brutal reality, but like when we're talking about life and death decisions, you, you might, we might, there's an argument to be made that we need sociopaths in those positions who can just think dispassionately like, Hey, a thousand die this way, 400 this way. We got to go with the 400 deaths. Right. But like for a normal person, and you know, to like live with like, maybe if I'm wrong, I'm sentencing hundreds and not thousands of people to death. Like that, that's going to break you. Right. You're going to feel terrible. You're going to have guilt, you know, depression, alcohol, suicide. So it's like, cool. Whoops. Got that one wrong. All right. Well, let's keep making decisions. Right? <laughs> you know? But this is, so anyway, I just remember that book, like that book to me. And I like, I remember talking to my parents about this. And my parents just didn't get why I was so upset. And I was like, how can you do this? Like, this is insane. You know, like this is just a total lack of sympathy, a lack of sense of integrity, honor. I was like saying like, if Andrew Cuomo had any dignity as a man, he would at least have the decency to cut his own guts out like a Japanese samurai, you know? This dude has zero dignity, like zero character, like total scumbag. I mean, like I said, he's like a, he's just a democratic version of Trump in some ways, you know? Just like wiping his hands of it, thinks he did nothing wrong. Exactly right. That is kind of who he is. And so, which is, you know, and so, okay, and that brings me to the second. So look, I, I, I respect, like, even CNN, like, liberal media, they're actually going after Cuomo on this, from what I can tell. I'm sure that's awkward for Chris Cuomo, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, hey, look, I, I think, like, you know, if we want to bring back the death penalty and just, you know, have this guy shot or injected, go for it. I think that would be just, but it probably won't happen. You know, they'll, they'll probably get, like, nothing. Uh, Cuomo was the guy who got COVID and then was, like, in his basement talking about how horrible it was on CNN, and then the next day was outside hanging out, and his neighbors saw him. Yeah. So like, no, that's Chris Cuomo. I mean, I mean I don't know. Yeah, the Cuomo is a, whatever, I don't know. Maybe it's Italian for a hypocrite. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but the, the second thing that's kind of unfortunate is, to your point, about how Cuomo said, hey, I kind of like held back on this because uh, I didn't want Trump ammunition, right? And look, I think, I honestly believe if 2012, if this happens and Obama's in office, like the the New York Times or the Post or Washington Wall Post, Wall Street Journal, I don't know New York Post. Somebody would sniff this out, right? Yeah, they would have they would have looked into it and reported it. And look, the reality is, and I mean, I'm not putting anyone on the spot. I'm not blaming anybody because I think it was. I guarantee there were a, plenty of journalists or anybody involved in New York who knew who knew that this was bad and who didn't say anything because they knew they couldn't give Trump the ammunition, right? Because we were in this highly politicized, polarized environment, right? And it was they, not so much that they knew knew, but they knew if they looked, they, they would knew what they would find. Yeah. And there's all these incentives to discourage you because the whole thing was like, we got to get this Trump asshole out of office, right? We can't let him get any ammunition. And, but that's, and that's what's sad because ultimately hundreds if not thousands of people died because of this decision. And there was no accountability for nearly a year when like, I think any, you know, I think there's, now there's like videos surfacing of people who are trying to like raise red flags about this, hold into account and how they were like villainized or pushed back on. But I guess, yeah, those are just the two things that, that, that would, I mean, that's what's sad is like, because it's, I mean, people basically put politics ahead of human lives and people died for it. And it's horrible. This happened. I mean, and you know, we, we shit on China because of what they did to Lee Wen Long, but like, this is a version of that, right. Where we, we chose power over truth, Right. And or people in New York did, and I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe we're somewhat, I don't know, culpable, but it's sad, man. It's bad. It's a bad look for America. It's a bad look for everyone involved. It's a tragedy. And uh, you know, and the, 
And the the worst part is, uh, you know, no one's gonna get in trouble for it, most likely, right? I like, think Cuomo might have fucked his chance to running for president. Yeah, I mean, I hope at least if that guy will. Problem is, Max, this puts us on a fast track to the battle of the tards. <laughs> hey, that word's Raphael. I'm not calling him Ted Cruz. His name is fucking Raphael. Felito <laughs> the Cheeto Cruz. All right, so yeah, I look. I will say I I'm obviously no fan of AOC. And like, hey, she's got some weird rationale reasoning and she's become kind of a political scumbag. But I would want two things. One, I don't think even I would never accuse her of doing what Cuomo did ever. I really don't think she would. And two, I would much rather her be governor than fucking Cuomo. I'd much rather her be mayor than de Blasio. Like I would, been out, I'm not, it's not my, I don't have skin in that game. I'd rather be governor of California. I'd rather her be mayor of LA. Seriously, I would take her over these like jabronis. So, uh, you know, so I will say that, but yeah, AOC is, uh, <laughs> she's running, man. Uh, just, uh, you know, everyone, but we need to get her in the set. We need to get her somewhere where she does not have the power to levy taxation, Max. That's what we need. Well, thankfully, uh, it's the, uh, you know, it's the, con- it's the house of representatives that actually I will vote for her to be on the Supreme finance. Court tomorrow. If I could put her on the Supreme court, Max. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be an amazing 4D chess move where everyone's like, all right, dude, we just, whatever, she's just going to get to the top of whatever track we point her. So let's like point her at the Supreme Court and have her just, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, uh, Roe v. Wade stays upheld or something. Yeah, exactly. We we, will tend to agree on these things, so. But yeah, it's, uh, so, um, anyway, that's, I think, uh, yeah, the other thing was, yeah, the Ted Cruz thing was. Oh my God. The Texas stuff was, the Texas stuff is like just very, okay, here are my, so. Let's just okay. Here the I guess we'll we'll cover the Texas thing really quick. Yeah, go for it. Um, is so just to be clear though, let me just add, tell you what I know. It was really cold in Texas, and it froze the machines that provided electricity. Right, and so there's a combination of things stopped working, and they got so cold that energy demand got so high that also broke things. So when things were broken, water pipes are burst everywhere because Texas just has never dealt with cold like this. So they're just not equipped for it. Uh, it'd be like if LA had to deal with like snowstorms, like LA would, LA would be screwed because there's no plows here, right? There's no, there's no infrastructure to deal with that. There's no knowledge, right? Well, this is really uh, so yeah, basically like, look, it sounds like Texas got hit by a, yep. Sorry. Was it oh, really the coldest it's ever been in Texas? Something like that in terms of, there's definitely some records. Like it's the longest below 30. It's been 30, like Austin's first time they've had below freezing weather two days in a row, things like that. Oh, it definitely, it was definitely record setting in various ways for cold, not heat. And so, but basically the infrastructure gave out. Right. Uh, and they look, I mean, it's a, it's basically a natural disaster. Uh, cause look, the plumbing isn't working. Electricity isn't working. They can't use the road. So food and water aren't being able to get in there. Uh, but the thing that, so it's, but the, the good news is that things are heating up literally like, uh, the, you know, it's going to thaw the roads. Like I, I, I've asked, been chatting with Kieran who lives in Austin, you know, about this every day. And he's basically been saying, you know, he's been giving updates and he was like, Hey, look, it's bad. It's going to get worse. But next week, like the weather, it's going to be fine. Like this is all going to melt. And then the big issue is just going to be like fixing everyone's pipes. Like it's probably going to be easier to get a plumber than to get a, or it's going to be easier to get a COVID vaccine than a plumber for the next couple of weeks. It's in pipes because their pipes all first. Yeah, because all all the pipe because the pipe you know the water in the pipes froze first the pipes and now everything's leaking and all that. So, so do you, but, do, you uh, think, do you think this portends yes, doom with global warming? Do you think this portends doom with global warming? Well, I mean, 
I guess the, the correct word would be climate change, not global warming, right? Because, uh, yeah, so I don't think it pretends, look, I don't think it pretends doom. I do think this is going to be more frequent. Uh, I mean, my attitude, my attitude, which I'm probably might get canceled for with climate change is like, look, this is happening. And if we want to avert it, the, the, the cure is worse than the disease. Cause you know, we would do all this stuff that would just probably not be good. Uh, so we just have to learn how to deal with this. Right. Um, and so look, it's, I don't think it's, I mean, it, the reason I said it's a once in 50 year event in quotes is because this is probably gonna become a once every 10 year event. Right. It's going to get more, I mean, all the weather is just getting more extreme, you know, all the stuff, I mean, all the, all the other, I don't know, green new deal talking points. Right. So anyway, it was just, but, uh, that, so, I mean, this is going to become more common and I, but the thing that was hilarious and like ridiculous too was, you know, how many politicians have gotten skewered for putting down a lockdown order, doing whatever, and then taking a vacation in the last year, right? This is, I mean, there's dozens. This has become like a whole like side industry. And then actually one of the people who did this was Austin's mayor. Austin's mayor instituted some kind of, you know, hey, like lockdown, stay at home order. And then he was like traveling to Cabo, right? And then... <laughs> And so like this happened. So this already happened in Texas. It was like kind of a thing, right? And then Ted Cruz, when this thing bursts out, he's like, oh, my daughter wants to go somewhere warm. So yeah, I'm going to fly out of here. And it's just like, dude, what are you, what are you doing? Like, this, like I know, I know the, uh, the, the rally that you ran, you know, back in January 6th didn't go the way you thought, but this isn't going to help you, man. Like this is not the right move. Just not good judgment by Ted Cruz at all. And uh, he deserves all the shit coming his way. Deserves I mean, all. I think he was, it's this very Mayor Quimby. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Fantastic. South to Mexico. But just anyway, it's in both ways, both him and Cuomo, it's these like massive failures of leadership. It's just, I don't know. I mean, this is probably just true of all human institutions where the people who become go to power are not the ones who deserve it, but the ones who want it are willing to like slit throats to get there. Because yeah. this, this is just basic. You are a servant, a quote, quote, servant of your people. And you are serving them by going to Cancun with your family. It's just like, dude, like, look, if you don't want, if you don't want to deal with this, then don't be a senator, you know? Exactly. So that's what I was it's thinking. Like, then, like, go hang out with your family, dude. I actually get it. I'm sure being a senator sucks and being with your family is great and rewarding. So, you know, there's your choice. But you don't get to be with your family. And then when things get hard, go, hey, that sucks. All right, well, I'm out. Good luck. You text me. <laughs> you know? Like, Let me know when it's warm again. I got I got the iOS app, but hey, just just shoot me a text if it gets faster than what the forecast says. So, not a yeah. Uh, I, I think I mean we're talking about people who are done in 2024. I think Ted uh, Rafael Cruz is done as well. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll see, no, the American memory is short, especially in this new. Uh, he's he's pretty. He's all he. No, he's already I, so unlikable that it's like shocking yeah. how he became so prominent. You know I don't I mean? know what odds I can get on him. Whatever predicted, whenever the 2024 primary comes up, if if Ted's like odds get above 10% and I can get like, you know, a, a nine plus nine or minus 900 odds of him not being president, I would take it in a second. Because like that dude, I'm sorry, it's never happening. Man. It's never happening. Uh, he's so he, and he you know, we're doing you a favor. To the furthest wing of his base. And basically Trump just went in there and took them all and was like a slightly more likable Donald Trump is more likable than Ted Cruz. That says a lot about Ted Cruz, man. Yeah, that's bad. And, I mean, dude, he just... I mean, Donald Trump was literally a, calling his wife ugly 
and he's just calling his wife ugly and then trump's like but don't worry i'm gonna appoint some conservatives to the supreme court and he's like what leadership <laughs> donald trump should be our president <laughs> it's like man i mean it's just uh you know you look you don't have to like the guy just be like yo uh thanks for the conservative things i won't spike you but you know you call my wife ugly so go fuck yourself you know like is that why can't you have that opinion i mean you don't just just have that opinion man be a man like political wins change. People respect backbone. So anyway, it was a uh, yeah, not a not a good. Hopefully, hey, look, if those two guys get out of the running for president Cuomo and Cruz after this, thank God, you know, I'll I'll, I'll take. Runs. I'm hoping for Romney. I'll, yeah, I'll take I'll take Donald Trump Jr. and AOC over those two any day, man. <laughs> I'll take. I'll oh, take. You're so dumb, Ivanka. I'll take Ivanka. She at least seems to be classy. All right, Mac. Classy lady. Let's round. Let's round back to Bitcoin because we got off topic. So oh, we, we're going back. Okay. I just wanted to ask you one last question about Bitcoin. I want to know right. who is Satoshi? He created Bitcoin, but nobody knows his true identity. Does he have a first name? No, his name is Satoshi Nakamoto. Satoshi Nakamoto. That's his true name, or if that's just an online idiot, alias. So do we think to, is the, is the consensus that Satoshi Nakamoto is Japanese? That's like the that's the leading idea, but it, it could be. So there's like a whole cottage industry on who's really Satoshi Nakamoto, right? There's one theory is that it was an alias, this guy named Hal Finney, who claims is the, I think he was the first person besides Satoshi to run a Bitcoin node. I'm pretty sure on that. And there's like a classic tweet from early 2009 from him that's just running Bitcoin dot, dot, dot. And so, but Hal Finney died uh, like a while, like in 2010 of ALS. So one of the last things he did before he got this. Oh like, no! Yeah, he was like one well, before he got this horrible degenerative disease. Was uh, he got uh, he was like involved in Bitcoin and so like literally like it, it's like a religious thing in terms of like all of Satoshi's communications uh, are like stored everywhere. Uh, like, they're like preserved like religious texts. I'm not joking. Like if you go to the Nakamoto Institute, there's like all known Satoshi communiques, right? And there's also like a, a list of all the Bitcoin that he's suspected of owning, right? Actually being like he has, or that guy was the one who created that asset and then like custodies it. And so, but no one knows who he is. And now there's this one dude named Craig Wright who claims he's Satoshi and he is just a total, it's so disproved that he's not this guy. He's just a an opportunistic scumbag. Like the two people I block, I literally block two types of people deep. The New York Times reporters and anyone involved with Craig Wright. Those are the two. Those are two where I just go, nope. Like as soon as someone pops up, I just go, nope. And I'm just block them. Cause they are just the same reasons. They're both deceitful scumbags, both groups, you know, <laughs> like they're deceitful liars. So, uh, yeah, he's anyway, says, if you don't do not buy Bitcoin Satoshi's vision, do not buy that. If you buy that, you are aiding like basically like pseudo criminal scumbags. Like do not, do not do that. Wait, wait, what do you mean buy Bitcoin? So, so there was like this thing in early 2017 where the uh, there was a debate about how the Bitcoin community, because people were like, there was like this thing called like the block size debate where people were saying we need to make the blocks bigger so we can process more transactions, have more transaction throughput. But um, people were like, no, like the that block size is key for various reasons. We want to keep it small. That incentivizes, I don't know, for all these reasons, right? And so basically this group called like the Bitcoin cash people, so that's Bitcoin cash, BCH, they created a fork of uh, Bitcoin where they, and so I won't get into the details, but basically they kind of like created their own version of Bitcoin essentially, right? 
which has bigger block sizes. And I think it settles faster and things like that. Cause they're saying Satoshi wanted big. So basically like people like Satoshi wanted Bitcoin to be like cash. So that means like fast settle, like really quick settlement times, things like that. While like what clearly what's evolved the last four years, Bitcoin with the Bitcoin we all know and love, or at least you should love is it's evolved as digital gold as a store of value, right? Those are two different. And if you optimize for, do we want something that's quick with that, that can settle very quickly, or do I want something that's incredibly secure that preserves value? Those are two different engineering constraints. So these Bitcoin cash people created they're, they're, this group cohort, many of them kind of questionable, whatever. Bitcoin cash actually is like a pseudo viable project, although I stay away from it. Uh, I might get, hopefully no one's a Bitcoin maximalist leading, reading, hearing max. I might get skewered worse than anything I've said about AOC for saying that. <laughs> but, uh, all right, sorry. I'll try to put a bow on this. So then Bitcoin cash separated. And then within Bitcoin cash, this group called Bitcoin Satoshi's vision separated. I don't really know the details. But they are like the, the they are bottom feeders. They are like the lowest rung of humanity. Like they are below trial. I don't know, like trial lawyers and like ambulance chasers. Like they are, like I would rather talk to a journalist than a Bitcoin Satoshi. So what's their? What is the Satoshi's vision? They're like underground Bitcoin people. Yeah, I don't know. I don't need. Look, I'm not even bothering understanding it. It's just it sets off all my scumbag, idiot, fraudster, fool radar. Anyway, so Craig Ray is not Satoshi, right? And so anyway, so. We don't know who Satoshi is. Uh, and the thing that's crazy is he hasn't had a formal communication since I think early 2011. I don't remember the exact time. And I, that's what we don't know. He said his last thing was, hey, I'm moving to work on other projects. That was it. Very cryptic. And the crazy thing is that he probably has ownership of somewhere, I'm not exactly sure, but something like 7 to 10% of all Bitcoin existence. So there's a world where Bitcoin like gets to 2 trillion in market cap. You know, so doubles this actually gets to like 120,000. The wealthiest man on earth might be unknown. Like, seriously, he might be wealthier. Satoshi might be wealthier than Steve Jobs or uh, uh, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. And he might, we don't even know if he's alive or not. And so that's why people say like Satoshi had two innovations. He, there's two innovations were Bitcoin and pseudonymity, <laughs> you know, because, <laughs> because uh, now like there's a lot of like pseudonymous people in crypto who work on things because they do pseudonymous because they're protecting their identities. Uh, Cause you know, they might be working in like, I don't know, Saudi Arabia or they might be working someplace where, you know, they are, don't have full like economic freedom. So at the top 10 uh, Bitcoin people. And a lot of them are, are Chinese miners. It looks like. Yeah. So the Chinese, I mean, there's definitely, uh, well, the guy who created Bitmain, which is like one of the big miners, he's definitely like a top 10 wealth. Uh, and then CZ Pang, who's a really, I mean, that dude, the guy who started Binance, I mean, he's a billionaire several times over now. Uh, he, he's he's a pretty impressive guy. Although I think like if he ever sets foot on U.S. soil, he'll get arrested immediately because he's br- violated all kinds of U.S. securities laws. Okay. Yeah, there's like a crazy, I mean, I, I don't fully know, but he's, but they're, but Binance is, I mean, they're also one of our biggest competitors. So, you know, obviously grain of salt, I'm talking shit on, you know, competitor but they're a very impressive company uh and he's a really impressive guy he's really sharp but yeah hopefully hopefully we launch our boy brian uh, brian armstrong our ceo hopefully we launch him to the top but yeah even then i don't think he's going to be as well he's as nominally wealthy as satoshi even in what we ever we because he's because well yeah he i don't know brian probably has some between 10 to 18 percent of coinbase stock right so yep, 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 he's cool. on coinbase, coinbase hey, it could be worth a lot of money 
but that's that's still like not even with an order of magnitude of Bitcoin's current valuation. So uh, you know, it's kind of like I think I think Satoshi's always going to outpace Brian. Uh, and you know what? I'm sure Brian would be totally okay as totally okay with that because in that so anyway, the Satoshi guy is kind of like a pseudo religious. He is a religious figure. I mean, uh, people, there are people, and I think it's actually very possible that we will remember him as a world historical figure on the likes of Plato, Jesus Christ, Muhammad, uh, the Buddha, Confucius. Like he, that's like, I, that like, he really could be because he could be the first, he could be the first person to be the anomaly wealthiest person on earth and no one knows who he is. But so it's crazy. So anyway, uh, I hope I, I didn't fool, I probably got some things wrong, so don't judge me, but uh I hope that answered, sort of answered your question there. No, it's great. I was really I – I want to do some more looking into this to get some answers. Um, all right, Max, let's get to the NBA. So I know you haven't been watching that much NBA this year, but now that you moved to L.A. and you can become a Laker fan, I expect that to pick up. Uh, important things we got to know is that, one, most of the, uh, the season – the schedule isn't even out for most of the season. You know, like if you really look at it, we have no idea – who's going to play who after maybe the end of next week. Really? Yeah. They haven't really thrown that. So the NBA keeps saying they're going to do it, but I think the biggest holdup from what I'm hearing is that they – sorry, I'm just looking at something. They don't know – they have to do all the makeup games. So they've postponed a lot of games, and they don't know when to postpone them. Right. When to play them back. So they're trying to decide if they play them before the restart or after the restart. Uh, and then, you know – LeBron and KD drafted their all-star teams uh, this week. And we, we all know LeBron is vocally against the all-star weekend, which is a, a, a money grab by the NBA. But if the players want their full salaries, I kind of do feel like they kind of have to play, right? Like this is a, a huge revenue, revenue opportunity for the league. And if they don't want to, if they don't want to take any pay cut, then shouldn't they kind of have to be in the all-star game? Yeah. I mean, who else? Yeah, where else is the money going to come from? I guess they just say, can you, "Hey, governors, can you just pitch in more?" But I think they'd be like, "All right, well, none of us get paid, right?" No. Also, they work. I, uh, the other thing is, uh, so the other thing is, they don't play this. I mean, yeah, they're they're missing out, but all the long tail of other NBA players who are not all stars are missing out, right? Yeah. A little bit. So they're getting they're making sure everyone gets paid. I mean, I don't know how much the All Star Game moves the needle on end of year revenues and all that for the revenue share, but. Uh, you know, it's, it's not just like, I mean, yeah, they get like a direct comp, but like, there's also like the, the revenue piece. And, no, no, it's the TV, it's the TV money associated with yeah, the, yeah, the TV, sorry, the TV money. Right. And it's going to have a really weird format. It's all going to be on Sunday. I think March 7th is March 7th, a Sunday. Uh, uh, yes. All on Sunday. There is going to have, they're going to do the skills challenge three point contest. And then they're going to play the game and the dunk contest is going to happen at halftime. Feels a little rushed, you know? With that, dunk contest is gonna happen yeah, at halftime. Like half dunk contest at halftime. That's a long halftime, isn't it? Yeah, that's a super long. I mean, they must are they gonna reduce the number of contestants or like number of rounds? That's just gonna be dunk contest takes at least an hour. You're talking about it, it's at least an hour. I mean that one, I'm not gonna lie, I'm kinda looking forward to it. It'll be a fun because I'm not even looking forward to the all-star game. I'd rather have all-stars who want to play. Than like LeBron not wanting to play. Like if LeBron took it off because he had COVID-like symptoms, I'd be fine with it. I'd rather have guys who really are happy to be there playing. Um, it's gonna have Elam ending. Oh, nice, great, great, great. And so I think that's like these are some nice wrinkles that are that are in there. Um, 
But yeah, I feel like they should just they shouldn't have people all stars play who don't want to play. They should get young guys who are in their first all star game and then like this is their big moment type of thing. Like make it a rising all stars challenge, you know? Hold on, sorry. I'm just I'm just getting caught looking at the teams right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So Okay, so yeah, what were we saying about the All Stars? So I think that like there's some like older players don't want to play. I think they should be allowed to cede their spots to younger people who want to actually be in the All Star game. Right. Yes. Why not? Who wants to see a bunch of unmotivated guys like basically taking it off? You know, it's not as much fun. Um, The Elam ending definitely made the last one more competitive. So I bet you this one's gonna be like LeBron's gonna sit his ass on the bench. Though the Jazz coach is coaching the West, so I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to play LeBron the entire game. Yeah, that'd be funny. (laughs) He's like. He's like, uh, LeBron, why don't, you, why don't you play center? Why don't you just play center the whole game and just uh, try to get those rebounds? Yeah, go ahead, man. <laughs> I mean, LeBron, LeBron's going to play as much as he wants to. Like, he'll be like, nah, I'm good, coach. You can put somebody else in. I mean, I highly doubt Quinn Snyder's going to have the leverage to make LeBron play more than he wants to. As much as, I, as much as I like Quinn Snyder, which is not very much. Although I don't really dislike him. I have no opinion on the guy. But yeah, all right. So I'm looking at this team. I mean, yeah, the West is, oh my yeah, the West is just so much better. The West team is stacked. It's got... I know Zach Levine's having a good season and all, playing well, but like... Yeah, do I want Zach Levine or do I want Devin Booker? Uh, yeah, easy choice. Yeah, easy uh, choice. yeah I, to- I totally agree. Um, but the real thing I want to talk about is the NBA is claiming they're trying to have safe COVID protocols. And they choose to have the the uh, the All Star game, so they're taking these guys, they're giving them five days off, and they don't even want to be there. They're taking them away from their families, and they're bringing them to Atlanta Max, a, yeah. black, a black cultural strip club capital. There are already I've already seen advertisements <laughs> on Twitter for parties uh, with multiple rappers hosting, to babies hosting one at a famous nightclub in Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> the rappers have already said we're not. Yeah, they're already like announcing the little flyers, and and you oh, know, man. you know James Harden is going to be there. So this is just a recipe for disaster, Max. Oh my God, yeah, that is. I mean, do they still do the socially distanced lap dances? I I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I'm sure that was He's like, hey, the woman just performed a lovely show for me, but I was socially distant. I kept, you know, so it's okay. <laughs> I'm like. If they're not doing socially distanced lap dances, uh, no, I, aka just lap dances, maybe you should just vaccinate the strippers, Max. Maybe you should just vaccinate the strippers as as essential workers. Have we not vaccinated the NBA players yet? No, not yet. They're they're far down. A lot of the NBA players don't even want to get vaccinated. A lot of the NBA players don't want to represent vaccination, which leads. I mean, this is, I won't go too off on this, but everyone thinks that the reason communities of color and poor communities are not getting the vaccine is purely a lack of access and they say like a lack of knowledge or something it is a about a fundamental distrust of the government and of of vaccinations and you have to go with that like they're like oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna have teams of people knocking on doors asking giving offering people the vaccine and educating them about the vaccine if I was paranoid about the government trying to do something to me, you know what would not get me to do it? Someone knocking on my door, showing up and telling me to take this vaccine. 
Like, yeah. it's like they have no idea who they're communicating with. Like, this needs to be like a cultural movement. It doesn't need to be like a bunch of government officials calling you incessantly, asking you if you know you're eligible for a COVID vaccine. Yeah, that's a good point. That's such a good point. If you're like, oh, I don't know about this. I'm not sure. I mean, some stuff doesn't add up. And then the government's banging down your door like, hey, you should get a vaccine. Yeah, exactly. You get a vaccine. <laughs> Basically, like the, it's like the Mormon Jesus, Mormons banging on your door asking you, like, have you heard about Christ? Yeah. Have you heard about Christ? Do you know he saves? Do you know that Christ saves? <laughs> it's like, it's just, like, it's so, it just shows that the, the – and these are all liberal policymakers, Max – the liberal policymakers who are pushing this agenda and the, the liberal media, they like don't understand. They think they understand the communities they're talking about because they read about them in a book in college and they have no like actual experience. And so they like think they know how to convince people. As someone who spends all day convincing people trying to get vaccines, Max, I can tell you this is not an effective strategy. You, you're literally not going to convince anyone by make, telling them they should get it. You have to let them have it as a choice. Like that is the key. Tell someone they have a choice and make it scarce. You do those two things, and then everyone will want it. Hey, man, I, I love choice. You're preaching the choir. Um, but, okay, so I guess the one thing I will say for the NBA players is, you know, everything I've heard about the vaccine is it can you'll get taken out for a bit. Yeah. So it makes sense, like, during the season where they're like, hey, look, I don't want to get vaccinated, like, during the season, right? Because yeah. he's I mean, coming like, two, 48 hours. It's one game. I'm just saying, hey, I'm just saying, like, especially if they're younger, they're healthy. I don't know. I, I don't necessarily fault them. But uh, I, I do think, like, there is something, yeah, I guess, I don't know. It's kind of feels sh- shitty, though, to jump the line because it's like, oh, but you guys are, like, everyone, or, you know, playing basketball. So you guys should jump the vaccine line. No, the entertainers. Uh, I don't know. They're not really. Although our strippers, strippers are not classified as essential workers yet. No, right? no. Unless they're that? obese, Max. Unless they're obese or smokers <laughs> or <laughs> or have another condition. So, Max, fat, cigarette-smelling strippers. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, a lot of football players qualify because they have. They're technically obese. Their BMI is over thirty. Uh, like every really? offensive lineman qualifies for the vaccine. The, the things that the way they've decided to do this is just—it's amazing to me. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's funny. Well, okay, so it does. Okay, look, the—I really—I'm—it's tough because I think you just yeah, if you don't do the all-star game, you miss out on a lot of money, right? Yeah. But well, maybe a lot. I don't know how much TNT pays them, but yeah. it's kind of—it just feels like when you have like LeBron, who's the de facto, you know voice of the nba if he's like i don't want to do this we should not be doing this and you are introducing irrespective of the location and it's you know strip club amenities you aren't you're putting all these guys in one place you know you're just you're just risking stuff and these are literally the best players these are the best 20 best players in the nba you're risking if one of them gets it doesn't realize it if one of them if one of them's hanging out with their homie and the homie went to the strip. Oh home, man, the COVID bomb. I didn't even think about yeah. that COVID bomb at the all-star game. That would be no, Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's, and then all of a sudden now what all that, it just feels, it just feels like it's not worth it. How about, how about like, like, everyone, everyone gets a, this season is like the mulligan season. Like everything gets a pass because like, I, I, I mean, well, look out. I mean, there's probably a good argument for it. I just, my initial sense right now is like, why, just, just why risk it? It's not like, I mean, the All Star Game. Damn, with the Elam ending though, the All Star Game is kind of sick. 
Yeah. So it's fine. I just wonder if like Trey Young will show up and kind of like shake everybody's hand, pass the COVID around, knock out all the all stars, so the Hawks can have a better record. Yeah, that'd be well. I mean, if he's in the three-point shooting contest, he, I guess he would, because they're also because they're not just having the all stars, right? They're also having all the dunk guys. There's three-point shooting, the skills contests. Are they doing the rookie? Like, are any of the rookie? I don't think they're doing the rookie. I like the All Star Rising Stars Challenge. Actually, the guys play hard at that, but I don't know if they're doing it. You know who I really want to see in the in the three-point contest? Ben Simmons. I think <laughs> it's a really good uh, like confidence building experience for him. By the way, can I say someone I'm very disappointed in right now? This slight change of topic. Yeah. Zion Williamson. Yeah, he's been a little bit. He's been a little bit one-dimensional this year. Man, I, I mean, he's still. I mean, he's averaging 25 points a game, which is and has a 27 per, which is awesome, awesome for a 20 year old kid. It just, I just don't think it's the right fit. Him and Ingram don't play well together. I'm also just like, dude, like, how is this guy not an all-star? Yeah. I mean, the, the Pelicans suck, man. They need to blow that team up. They're not that good. They're on so many national TV games this year. I mean, it's yeah. interesting because this is our first full season look at Zion, you know? And it's, you know, he's okay. He's good. He's not bad. But he hasn't taken a major leap between year one and two. Yeah, it just feels like something's missing. Like, I don't get what. I mean, I this, dude, like, I this dude at moments would just make you giddy. The way he played, and uh, I think the truth is they have to get they have to get rid of uh they have to get rid of. of yeah, I mean, I gotta I gotta give uh, a certain Dillip Bot credit where he's just like, look, some franchises just suck and don't develop their dudes well, and yeah. players should not be there. And especially when like the whole AD trade happened, and I'm like, yeah, I, I kind of feel like there's just something off about the Pelicans. I'm telling you, they don't the the, the team doesn't care about like the ownership, the whole management top down. Is they're not a basketball city; it's a football city, and so yeah. people go there, but they don't. They like it's like fun. I mean, we had a good time. We went to a game, but yeah. uh, and it's a great. I mean, New Orleans is a great city to visit, but um, I just don't think they. I just don't think they develop their players. They're not into winning championships. But don't worry, Zion. Anthony Davis's contract will be up just in time for you to join. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we do this. <laughs> I also, they just have to, I also, the, the Pelicans, they need this go to the straight Mardi Gras uniforms all the time. That needs to be the fall one, not this like dumb blue with like, you know, the blue with the bird on it or whatever, grabbing the basketball. Like, no, just go straight Mardi Gras. Be, have yeah. something distinctive. Oh, because, like the yellow, purple, yeah. gold type of thing. All right. Yeah. So I don't know. All-Star Weekend, I'm just very, and that's in two weeks, right? I'm just very, I mean, I've never been a big All-Star guy, but. Uh, it just feels like a bad idea, man. Can I, can I just wet myself about Anthony Davis for a second? So the injury, remember I've been, I've been complaining about Anthony Davis for months, about how he doesn't seem like he's playing with any energy. He seems really like out of it. But um, his injury is fucking scary, man. He has what yeah. Kawhi Leonard has in his quad in his Achilles tendon, which is like, fuck, dude. Like, that could like really go south very quickly. So like if I was the Lakers, I would max out an insurance policy on him. I would like, um, like I mean, I'm fine with us resting him for until it's better because you can't really play with that, like in in that status for too long. I mean, the short turnaround definitely didn't help either. Like, I hope it's not as bad as Kawhi's, but um, it's just fuck, dude. And Achilles tendinosis means it's been inflamed so many times that it's now just chronically damaged. 
it's like not like a thing that gets better. It's like a thing you just yeah. live the rest of your life. Yeah, that sucks. So that's what's wrong with Achilles, though. He doesn't have the KD injury. Right? No, well, I mean, he might have the KD injury because they called it a calf strain. But the, my biggest differential is that this time, KD's was an acute injury, right? They didn't use the word tendinosis. When you use the word tendinosis, that means it's been there for a long time. It's like a recurrent injury, and your body has laid down calcium instead of tissue. I'm sure you have tendinosis somewhere in your body, Max. It's like think of it something that you hurt over and over again, and it just like always kind of bothers you, and it's fine sometimes, but if you use it too much, it starts to hurt. Like that's what it is. Shoulder probably for a lot of people is that kind of thing. Um, or elbow. But that's like I just when I saw her that, I was like, God damn it. And then they, they call it like a calf strain because they didn't want to like, you know, they didn't want to point at the Achilles because everyone's always like worried about the Achilles. But yeah. we'll see, man. We'll see. Well, that I mean, he did take a seven-year seven contract or something. He took a long. He took the long deal, right? Yeah, he's there for a while. Uh, now well, we know why. So I'm gonna look at FanDuel futures because I don't. I mean, right now everyone's like, look, it's the Lakers and everybody else, right? For uh, you're right. For, you're right. You're right. Well, we did head. We have money on the on the Nuggets. Don't forget. This is material information for the Lakers because I mean. The Lakers need AD. Like a huge reason they yeah, won that. They're not, they're not he was great. I mean, he was such a force on defense. Where like that one moment when he was slightly out the, the heat, and you could just see their eyes light up because they're like, "Oh, we can score now. This is cool. Like we couldn't do this before because this dude was just destroying us at the rim, right?" So yeah, they. I guess they. I'm just looking at the updated odds. So it's Lakers plus two seventy. Yeah, that feels fair. That moved, I think. Oh no, we got it at plus, plus nine hundred. Is Jazz plus nine hundred is interesting, just because I think they have a good chance of making it to the conference finals, and then then you're just hedging right against the Lakers. Yeah, because uh, I think you're just yeah Western Conference champ. Jazz are plus plus four fifty. Dude, Nuggets! Don't forget the Nuggets, man. They have a good team, Max. I mean, dude, you know, okay, you know, I love, you know, I love this Nuggets team. Yeah. I'm a big fan of pretty much everyone on that team. And my boy Nikola Jokic is leading the league in per, the per rating. And so I know this is like a nerdy thing, but his per rating is thirty one point four eight right now. That is amazing. That is like Wilt Chamberlain, Jordan, LeBron, Kareem territory. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Hold on one sec. Hold on, I'm gonna read off the all time season per rankings. One sec. I'm gonna read you the single season records for per. It's Giannis last year, 31.86. Wilt, Wilt, Jordan, 08, 09 LeBron, Jordan, Wilt, LeBron. And then ninth would be Nikola Jokic this season. Oh, no, sorry. He's currently, or I guess he would be 10. He'd actually be after step 2016 step. So we're talking like a top 10 per rating. I mean, that is amazing. That is amazing. All time. Yeah, top for a season. So he'd be, we're talking like, a, so I'm not sure what it is. I'd have to look up the other kind of cat, traditional counting metrics of win shares per 48, box plus minus. But he's a center. I think he's a center who's averaging what? It's eight. Yeah, he's averaging 8.6 assists a game. I think he's top five in assists. Like, no center's ever averaged eight points. What are the MVP odds on Jokic? Because if, if, Oh, that's a good one. He actually gets hurt and doesn't come back, like, or if he has problems. LeBron's not going to win as many games, and he's not. LeBron's going to lose the MVP then, because the Lakers without AD are just not 
capable of beating good teams. So it's LeBron plus 125, Embiid plus 500, Jokic plus 550. MVP is wide open this season. Yeah, I mean, Embiid is so overrated in my opinion. Yeah. Jokic owned Embiid when they play each other. Like, why would you take it? I would never want to beat on my team over Jokic. And so right now, this is interesting. The, uh, the, the basketball reference MVP calculator, they're giving Jokic a 42% chance. So he's plus 550, according to FanDuel. So basically, if if the Nuggets, who I think have been kind of underperforming this season, based mm-hmm. on just like I'm looking at their adjusted net rating, yeah. they've had a, they've had a tough schedule. Um, I think they also just started the season not giving a shit. Like they started the season lethargic, and then they like started to have to win again, and they started playing well. Yeah. So I don't know. I could totally. I think that that's like a tasty bet, Jokic. At plus five fifty for MVP, because the numbers are going to be there. Like I'm sure he's going to have the stats there. He just the Nuggets need to win. The problem That's- is the goddamn media narrative around Embiid, man. I swear people think Embiid is better than he really is because he's placed for the Sixers or something. Like his game is so not fluid. Like, do you ever watch Joel Embiid play and be like, man, that guy's just so fluid? He like he bobbles around. He holds the ball for too long. Like no, I, I, he's like he yeah well yeah it's definitely not fluid I mean he's more like a he's like a a bowling ball dude he's just like he like holds the ball it's just ugly man like I don't like his game at all he's not actually that good he's gained too he gained too much weight he's like out of shape I mean I guess Jokic could make the same complaint but Jokic is skilled at least you know well yeah one I guess Jokic has made it farther than Embiid it's one yeah thing. he will continue to make it further than him I don't I really don't think from playoff time. Embiid Simmons, I don't think their shtick works, man. And two is just Embiid. Uh, like this, this happened. This is I was talking to Sandu about this. Like every, it's just been the story for three years where starts strong. You're like, okay, this guy is like a dark horse MVP candidate, and then he's gonna tail off. Like guaranteed, he's gonna tail off second half of the season because he's just gonna get tired. Like this dude. I mean, I, it might just be because his body type. Like when you're just that big, you just you run out of gas. But I mean, this just happens. So it's just gonna happen again. He's gonna—I guarantee his second half splits are gonna be worse than his first half splits. I, if I could put money on that, I would. Yeah, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't. I don't think he wants it that bad. I don't think he wants to win as bad as you need to want to win. Well, elite. Well, I, I would agree with that, except when how he cried when they lost to the Raptors. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I don't mean want it like in your heart. I mean want as expressed by actions showing your desire you know like the action of eating healthy and the action yeah. of exercising like the, like yeah i'm sure you want it really bad in your heart but that doesn't mean shit if you don't do the actions yeah i mean just i don't know the they're just um uh, that that team is just hey look I'll, I'll believe when i see it right like cool you guys have the number one record in the east although like their win differential sucks uh or their point differential sucks so like i don't know i would be surprised if that comes down I'm just looking like they're adjusted. I mean, I think they've also had easy competition. So I mean, in the playoffs, this I can tell you the game plan. Leave Ben Simmons wide open. Like yeah. let him shoot. That's it. It'll it works every year. It'll work again. I just I think I'm so tired of this. Like you listen to Bill Simmons, and I the guy fucking is so biased. He likes Ben Simmons because he has the same name as him and the same name as his son. And yeah, yeah. he's an influential media member. But like him like making this case for Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid being uh like the, the Sixers being legit title contenders is just it's just garbage like I, I just 
Ben Simmons is not good, dude. He's very overrated. He's an athletic role player at best. Like, I don't I don't think he'll ever win a championship as the second best player on the team. But I don't know. Prove me wrong, Ben Simmons. Prove me wrong. I'm doing my best Shaq impersonation. Let me put on my championship ring. Hold on. Oh, but right now, Max, the Clippers are playing the uh, the Jazz in what could be a battle, a future Western Conference Finals preview. Oh yeah, that's good, dude. The Nuggets, the Nuggets are plus three thousand to win a ring right now. Did we get them at plus twenty two hundred? So we are. I think we might have. Let me see. I mean, the West is a gauntlet. Yeah, but the uh, the, the, the only thing is this: if Anthony Davis is healthy, Lakers are good, man. I'm oh, telling yeah. you, we're good this year. And if Anthony Davis, when Anthony Davis decides to play, he's the only thing that's been holding us back the whole year because he's been so fucking lazy. And now I get why. It's because of his Achilles. Like, I was like, why is he being so lazy and, like, falling all the time? I think it's because he didn't want to hurt his leg. And so that, I guess I can excuse him. But we took the Nuggets at plus 2,000. Dude, if, if Lakers are out of it, the Nuggets have beaten the Jazz in the playoffs last year. The Nuggets have beaten the Clippers in the playoffs last year. Like, What's the case against the Nuggets? They've beaten it, and they have a better, more experienced team. Oh, this is my, this is my replica Lakers championship ring, LeBron James. Well, I guess one thing is I think the Jazz are a little bit better because they got, they got Bogdanovich. And they have a fat team. He, he kind of like, clearly like, dude, this team is like, look at their numbers. They're like a great team. They're a Wait, great. Which team. let's play the game. Which Bogdanovich is this? It's Boyan. 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 Yeah, it's Boyan, not Bogdan. Yes. Got it right. <laughs> um, and I think I don't know. I think just I, I haven't fully watched, but uh, it just seems like you know they're they're playing really good basketball. And yeah, their numbers are great right now. I, I haven't watched, but what you said that's tonight, Jazz, Jazz Clippers on right now. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. turn on. Put that on after this. I but said, uh, the one weakness on the Jazz is Mike Conley. He's the only weak link in that team. I think that team is. Gobert is a beast. I've seen him in life. In real life, have you ever seen Rudy Gobert play in real life? No, but you, you, you go ahead. I was saying this before. I was telling you this. He is a giant, dude. He's a monster. He's so big that when he's on the defensive floor, like he changes what every other player does. Like they come to lane and it's like they're just, they run away. Like it's, a, it's like the opposite of a mock to a flame or something. And then Angles can play. Like I've always loved his game. Boyan's game is great. Donovan Mitchell showed last playoffs that he can be the guy in a playoff series. Yeah. Just Mike Conley. He's their one week link. And if he plays better than average, that the Jazz Nuggets, we could have a mountain Western Conference Finals if the, the bracket works that way. Yeah. So I think well, I do they reseed again? Does the do they reseed in no. the West? Or no, no, no. So they I think it would be okay, so right now the Nuggets are two they're three game. Two and a half back of the Clippers for the four seed. So the West is shaking out like there's a there's a top tier Jazz Lakers Clips. Um, that's just kind of I, my guess is that they're going to finish some version one two three there. Lakers might slide to third. I don't think they're sliding all the way to fourth, even with like the AD stuff. And then there's going to be like there's like a second tier that these teams are fighting over, and that's Blazers Suns Spurs Nuggets Warriors. Everything I've heard is that. How are the Spurs sixteen and one? Sixteen eleven. Sixteen eleven. Yeah, I, I, dude, I don't know. I haven't watched like no NBA. 
Couldn't tell you. But this is just the, the I don't know, the Spurs, they just know how to squeeze wins out of the shit. It's- I mean, they, the, they do a good job drafting and developing their players. The Spurs need to trade their entire team for the, the Pelicans team, and they'll, go to the, they'll win the championship in two years. If so you see the entire teams and just have the organizational infrastructure, the Pelicans roster would win the championship on the Spurs in two years, I bet. But, yo, by the way, the Spurs, if they – they are currently the the sixth seed in the West. If they were in the East, they'd be the three seed. They'd be ahead of the Bucks. <laughs> the Bucks um, the Bucks experiment is looking a little bit uh, off. Right yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the trade. I thought they gave up too much for Holiday. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like I like Drew Holiday, but uh, like I'm not. I don't mean to disrespect him by any means, but it just it just felt like I, I think, don't know. I, I just thought they were kind I, of dropping dead. I just didn't see a path them getting a ring uh, after how they got worked last, last playoffs. My other concern with the Bucks is that Giannis, man, the development of Giannis, he's like kind of veering away from being a complete LeBron type player, and he's kind of leading. It looks like his game is developing more. He's just Shaq. Like he's, oh, yeah. yeah, he's gonna be like this dominant low post force, because you know, like they, I, they let him shoot basically, and his shot's not really getting that much better. It looks like. Yeah, it's just. I mean, it's. And I think it is like Shaq, where it's just like, dude, his hand is just too big. Too big, like, exactly. All on his hand, so he can't like. He's like shoving it instead of putting like touch on it, right? But I mean, just put Giannis in the post, let him have a drop step. His drop yeah. jump hook will be insane, dude. Yeah, it would be interesting if he's just like, fuck it, I'm going straight Kareem Hakeem game. Like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be like athletic Shaq he <laughs> or whatever. Easily, yeah. He could easily, I mean, I don't know, Hakeem Olajuwon's probably the most skilled big man I've ever seen in real life. He's probably the only big man I could say that it's more skilled than like Jokic. Yeah. Like, he's, you know, Mikhail, Jokic, Olajuwon all in the same game, but Olajuwon, Olajuwon could be a quadruple, had a quadruple double. Like, how many people could really do that in the game yeah dude i was just talking about uh, i mean uh, he also was like the king of the five by five right yeah. i think he or something like that although maybe i'm he at least before draymond had one he had like the most recent five by five or i don't know anyway there's some of him in five by fives that in my favorite stat is one season he averaged four blocks and two steals a game and so like, that is that is nuts <laughs> it's awesome now he's great but uh, all right so I mean, I just feel like we kind of just went on a random tangent. No, it was funny. Uh, yeah, okay, look, I think, yeah, the West is really, like, I mean, yeah, I, the Jazz, look, I, I would love for the Jazz to go deep. I'm just, and I think they can make it, I think they'll make it to the conference finals. But that means they're going to have to take down one of either the Clippers or Nuggets, most likely, in the second round to get to host the conference finals. That's going to be tough. That's just a tough second round series. We have to go through one of those two teams, especially when you have, like, the Nugget, both the Nuggets and Clippers have more playoff experience than them, right? And arguably might be better 16-game teams than 82-game teams. Yep. So that's going to be brutal. And then your reward for that is, okay, you got to face, like, LeBron James. Like, no. okay. I mean, look, if LeBron gets there with AD, man's on a mission, dude. He's on a I, I just, you know, I was thinking about this. If the Lakers can win this year, uh, LeBron could make a case of going to the Hall of Fame as a Laker. I know he's going to go in as a Cavalier, but he has two championships on the Lakers, Max. His win rate on the Lakers is significantly better than his win rate on the Cavs. Oh, you know he wants to go in as a Laker. Yeah. He doesn't want to go in as a fucking Cav. <laughs> yeah. I just think he'll get a stat. He's building his statue case. He gets two to three championships. Three rings is all it takes for a statue, LeBron. Just remember. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, if he gets three, he's getting a ring or he's getting a statue. And then if he goes in as a, I mean, man, that would be like the ultimate. If the Lakers somehow steal LeBron for the Hall of Fame, there's no, he'll go in as a Cavalier. Though. There's no way, dude. The narrative for him going in the, as a Cavalier is just so much better than the. Well, the that would Lakers. be like it would be very. I mean, I've always thought it was amazing how LeBron just kind of went to Cleveland and got a ring and then bailed. And Cleveland was like, "Cool, thanks, thank you, thank you." Hey, yeah. <laughs> you stay for the rest of your career, but. You know what? It's fine. <laughs> it's okay. It's a, very cool. Cleveland, it's a very Cleveland way of going about it. Yeah, they're just nice Midwesterners. Or they're like, hey, like one's more than zero. Let's be happy with what we have, guys. Let's not hold him to his word. You know, I, I've always thought that just how that was always just kind of amazing to me. Because I remember when the whole like LeBron to LA rumors were happening, my first thing was like, wait, didn't he just tear out a whole ESPN the magazine spread or whatever, or Sports Illustrated spread on how much Cleveland means to him and how he wants to be there. And that's where he wants to build his legacy and all this stuff. And then he like gets a ring and he's like, yo, Cleveland fucking sucks. Let's go to LA. <laughs> Dude, I just gotta say, like, we get it. We get it. It's cold in the winter. We can't compete with the, that LA sun. We understand. Have fun, LeBron. We, forget, we, we enjoy your presence here. This is kind of how he did that. And so if he did that, like he already did that and kind of got away with that. And everyone seems fine with it. Like no one seems upset about it. Uh, and then if you were to be like, oh, but hey, Cleveland, hey, there's someone they're like, hey, you're going to the Hall of Fame. Like, here's your jersey. And he's like, oh, no, no, I'm going to go with my Lakers jersey. But uh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> you won't do that. You won't do that. You won't do that. I just got to say, and me and my Laker friends always text about this. And it's like, it is so reassuring to have LeBron James on your team. I, I You know, because you once had Michael Jordan on your team. But it's like this, like, ultimate security blanket for you. Yeah. It's like, yeah. all right, I got this guy. Like, all shit, all else fails. We got him at least, you know? I will, okay, look, hey, by the way, so if LeBron, if the Lakers do this, if the Lakers, they're going to have to probably beat one, they're going to have to beat one of Clippers or Jazz. They're going to have to beat at least two good teams to get to the finals. And they're probably going to go against the Nets in the finals, yeah. right? Yeah. You're going to go against, uh, like, like, all the narratives, like, you're going to go against a very narrative-laden, like, KD versus LeBron, Kyrie versus LeBron, Harden finally getting the game off his back, right? You're that that Nets East team. If you and you're gonna have to go through two pretty good, probably solid teams in the West. You're gonna go through three solid teams, two like dangerous teams. Like if LeBron does that while carrying AD and 80s on one leg, I mean that is like, and I'm saying this like he is like 100 like got to be in the go conversation. He is yeah. definitely. You know what? I might even argue it. I mean Jordan will always be my goat. Yeah, uh, but instead of scoffing like I did two years ago when people said LeBron's goat, I'll be like, yeah, I mean. It's fair. Because that's like, that is a fucking badass accomplishment, man. We'll Especially that. coming after the bubble finals and all yeah. that, where they steamrolled teams. Well, you know. Bubble to the bubble finals, we were, uh, yeah, we were, uh, AD, it's just, that I didn't realize how valuable a healthy AD was. That's what I'm realizing. Like, AD is actually not a historically healthy player. Like, last year was the exception more than the rule, you know? Well, yeah, that was, I mean, that's a good point because I think we kind of forgot that because definitely going into that, I mean, anyone who's ever played daily fantasy sports, always sweats when you have AD or you, you know, like just AD is like the worst for daily fantasy because he's like that guy where when you play him, he like gets injured in the second quarter. Cause like a guy elbowed him in the jaw and then just goes out for the game. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then if, you're, if you don't play him, he'll just be like hang like 40 points and 25 rebounds. And you're just like, God damn it. Like he is, but like, yeah, he's just like this dude who was just, he was like, uh, he was just, ter- he was like, he's, TNT. Soft, man. he's fucking yeah. soft. That's what it is. There's a word for people like that. That's what he is. Kobe would play. <laughs> yeah, Kobe would. 
Well, look, all these NBA guys, I mean, uh, I, I won't call AD soft because the dude, like, NBA is a demanding sport. And he's a two-way player. He's a 75-pound person, so I'm sure it's a little bit harder for him. You know? Yeah, you know, he's, he's a physically enormous human being, and uh, he's also asked to be very active on both ends of the floor. Like, he doesn't take possessions off, right? I mean, he, if he's taking possessions off, it's ironically on offense, not defense, right? Yeah, he's defensively he's very – when he's playing like his normal self, dude, he's awesome. He's really good. He can shoot the ball. He's like the single most talented player outside of LeBron. Because yeah, I, I, I don't excuse for anyone else other than LeBron. Like, LeBron is the best fucking player in the NBA. Like, it's stupid that we have these conversations. It's because we're yeah, bored. Yeah. It's because we're bored. That's the only reason why he doesn't win everything. No, I mean, I, okay, look, I, I feel like I've been very consistent about this. I know, you Where I said, like, no, I'm just drafting LeBron first. Like, I, I'm not overthinking this. Like, this dude, like, I remember when, like, when Kawhi went down and everyone was like, oh, like, who's the, who do you want for a series? Like, no, it's fucking LeBron. It was LeBron before Kawhi went. <laughs> like, like, it's like, what are we, we're overthinking this. Like, this dude is amazing. Like, Nate, the worst part of his game is sometimes he has an inconsistent three-point shot. Yeah, that's this year he's shooting like very well. He's shooting forty percent from three or something. Yeah, that's literally like the one thing. And that, and you know, there's arguments that he takes possessions off on defense, right? That's like the two quote unquote knocks. And it's like, oh, okay, but yeah, besides that, he's pretty much like world class at literally everything and free throws. He's he's an average free throw shooter. An average free throw shooter. Besides that, he is pretty much world class at literally everything else you can do in an NBA court. Like, what more do you need? Like, I, he's amazing. Like, dude's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And it, like, as a Lakers fan, it's just got to be fun to be like, all right, cool. Well, he'll just, he's going to hang 25, 7, and 7, just like clockwork. And uh, if the game's close, he'll just put it away. Great. The one thing you know is that, though, you can tell there's games where he, like, when we, when he can tell we're not going to win, he still tries, but it's a little bit of different vibe. Like, he can't, I mean, I guess he can single handedly win you some games, but he's not like, against the Nets last night, I knew we were going to lose. I'm like, Dude, no AD, no Schroeder. Like, there's no fucking chance. And the Nets basically, like, they steamrolled us. They were in control the whole game. Um, which is are, like, you, are you worried about the Nets? I'm. If we don't, I mean, if we don't have Anthony Davis, it doesn't matter. If we have Anthony Davis, I think we're going to beat him because Kyrie Irving. I mean, something's going to short circuit. There's too much emotional instability in that locker room. That's that's not Kate. That's not Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett over there. That is a good point. There's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of. I mean, between like James Harden's antics, Kyrie's antics, and then you have Katie's moodiness, it, it does feel like the first time that team gets pushed hard, like a team punches back. Yeah. They're just, they're, I, I mean, it'll be very indicative because part of me could totally see them just turning and pointing fingers at each other as opposed to like rallying one, and getting strong. There's one missed Zoloft dose away from chaos, Max. One of their guys doesn't take their antidepressants in the morning, the whole team will get fucking derailed. Yeah, that seems, man, that is such a class. I mean, and like, you know, one thing I think LeBron is good at is I think he's good at yes, he's, the mental game. So yeah. he's going to know how to like get in these guys' heads. He's going to know how to say the right thing. Where He's, he's going to do something where like Kyrie hits a shot and they go, damn, Kyrie is really going to lead that team to a championship. And Katie's going to be like, man, what the fuck? Give me the ball. Give me the ball. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be fun to watch, though. I want to see them develop. I mean, I don't know. I still, I feel like fat James Harden, all he has to do is get into become skinny James Harden, and they're dangerous. Are we ever going to see skinny James Harden again? Huh? Are we ever going to see skinny James Harden again? I mean, I think it'll come to playoffs. I, James Harden's the best player on that team. Like, we're, we're sitting here talking about Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. 
literally last year we were goo goo gagaing over James Harden. Are you sure Harden? I would pick. K- I mean, you know, I haven't watched any NBA this year, but I think he has been the best. Katie's been the best player. Like Katie's phenomenal, actually. I'm surprised how good he is after his Achilles deal. But uh, I was gonna say I would definitely pick Katie over Harden for so many reasons. Uh, I mean, Harden, yeah, Harden, Harden's still just an unproven 16 game player. Like he's a proven 82 gamer. Like that team 100%. next year is gonna be phenomenal, though. Once they get their shit sorted out, like they, I mean, also there's the buyout market, right? Like Andre Dump, Drummond might come over there. They just they gave up, they gutted the team for to get Harden, and I think they're just missing a few pieces still. Well, I mean, that was the trade. They traded depth for ceiling. Because Harris I mean, look, team, they're that off. I mean, they're off at, They're scoring like 120 points a game. <laughs> like, it's kind of that team. That team needs Dwight Howard of all the people. That team needs Dwight Howard and Javale McGee. They need the two Laker centers from last year. It solves so many problems for that team. Well, wouldn't Drummond? Isn't Drummond the solution? Because he's like a he's a similar type, right? Like rim runner. Yeah, like him. And I hope they don't get him. I, the Lakers, I know, they're, they're they're pretty pot committed at this point. I feel like what's another twenty eight million, right? You yeah, know, salary cap, though, salary cap, salary cap. Yeah. All right, Max. I think we got to wrap it up. We've been going for an hour and a half, and I promised the listeners that we'd keep it at a normal place. Uh, you want a little, a little a little aim, ambling, a little aimless, but hey, good good discussion nonetheless. We got to oh, get right back here. This is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna watch NBA now because there's nothing else to do. Oh, quick content oh, corner. Yeah, do your content hey. recommendation. Young Rock on NBC because I love The Rock and I think it's the beginning of his political campaign. Uh, it's basically flashbacking to him being in like high school and it's, it has a lot of old school professional wrestlers like Andre the Giant makes an appearance in the in the in the the pilot. It's and a lot of it's going to be about wrestlers from that era and like all the stuff he saw. WandaVision on Disney Plus, which I enjoy watching every Friday, and then there's two movies to watch this weekend that are coming out. Uh, Nomadland on Hulu which got nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Picture. I mean, this is like if you want to watch serious movies and, like, sit down. And then, you know, if it's Black History Month and you feel like doing that, Judah and the Black Messiah, which I think is about the founder of the Black Panthers, I think. I'm not sure, but uh, I'll watch that one, see what it's about. It, it, it won Sundance. But at the Sundance, so at the, I guess you got to do this. Do we talk about the Sundance Film Festival yet? No. So well, I did it this year. So I did it remotely. You pay, like, 300 bucks. You watch Oh, really? over the course of the week yeah you can sort of watch them on demand netflix style uh it's like you sign up ahead of time and then you have a window that you can watch it in and um the one thing they do before every movie is they like take a minute to thank all the native american tribes whose land we're on and i'm like what is going on here like how is this like how is this like thanking the native americans like thank the lene lenape people for letting us be on their land like how the fuck is that going to help them at all it's gonna make you feel better about something but it's not helping them at all um, so well, really, Dave, I think you just stated a, a common complaint about most progressive policies is that they're designed to make the, the implementer feel better, not to actually help the intended recipient. <laughs> so. I mean, you know what would help? Like schools, you know, like better integration into society. People should stop saying off the reservation, though I say that all the time. Um, anyway, but it was fun. And I hope they do it with all the uh, other film festivals going forward because it was uh, it's a really cool to, way to spend a couple of days snowed in. Uh, my favorite movie was called Coda, which I su- suggest watching when it comes out, Max. It's uh, Coda stands for Children of Deaf Adults. So it's a, like a high school drama about a hearing girl in a family of all deaf adults. And it's 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 like your typical coming of age, I'm going to college story, but it's fucking hilarious. 
because like they lean into the deaf thing, but they're not like they're like make like there's a scene where her parents are just having sex extremely loud, and she has a boy over in her room, right? And it's like they're deaf, so like they don't know how much noise they're making, right? So it's like that kind of stuff. Uh, it was a very good movie. And then the other interesting thing about Sundance is I figured out how to get it on into Sundance. Literally eight of the documentaries or something were about graduating the senior year of high school. So like, that's how you get into Sundance, make a documentary about the senior year of high school. They had uh, one about a bunch of like super woke Oakland documentary that I hated where like, it was just all George Floyd. And like, these kids were like sitting around talking about how they got eight hundreds on their SATs and how they like wanted to become politicians and senators and social justice warriors. I'm like, get into college. There was a really good one called Try Harder, which I think you would like. It's about Lowell High School in San Francisco, which is like one of the very competitive high schools. It was very, it was very much about like the well, not anymore. Yeah, exactly, not anymore. But it's about that one. Uh, that's a great one. You should watch that movie. It was good. Try Harder. I that was my favorite one. And then there was one about um, I forgot the right way of saying this. It's in El Paso, Texas, and it's about the like the ROTC in in texas but it's not rotc it's high schoolers that are training to be border patrol and they're all like latin like latin american basically they're all set like you know like mexican or whatever and so they're all in this program where they're training them to be border patrol and el paso is a border town yeah and yeah the whole all the politics behind that like you know there's some of their parents like it because it's a good job and they're protecting the community one of the kids dads like got caught snuggling drugs across and is it went back to tech mexico and like that kid like drops out and it's just very, it's very fascinating dynamics. Um, that is crazy. Yeah. It was cool. It was very, That's you hear about the border stuff, but you never think about what life is like actually like in the border towns where a majority of the population is literally the same people that they're trying to prevent from getting in. You know, um, I forgot what that one was called, but it was a good one at Sundance. Uh, that was, those are my Sundance takes in about five minutes max. Sorry. But now we went really long. Um, yeah, I've got no content recommendations, so we're good. Uh, <laughs> Modern Families on Hulu. Oh, great. a great show on CBS All Access, The Good Wife, which I watched when it was live, but it's now on CBS All Access. That's a good one to watch. It sounds ridiculous, but it's a good show about lawyers. Yeah, I've heard good things. All right, Max. All right. I'll talk to you later, man. Good job by you, Dr. Bud. Good job by you.